good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas Eve. Let's stand together. There's a wonderful hymn that we're just playing. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Let's sing that together this morning. We get the service. For 
magnify you. We glorify you, oh God. Let us adore. 
Jesus today could just shout amen in the house. Amen. So good to see you in the house of the Lord. Happy Christmas Eve. Thank you. That's good. Happy Christmas Eve to everybody. I was going to say Merry Christmas, but that is actually tomorrow. But I'll say Merry Christmas anyhow because I'm not going to see you tomorrow unless you invite me over for food. I will always enjoy that. Today I want to deal with the topic, and you know me, I am a guy that I I try to preach what the Lord lays on my heart, but today I do want to go with somewhat of a Christmas sermon, and uh, we're, we're going to delve into the topic, when God became a man, when God became a man. I do want to make a couple announcements before I get started this morning. The first thing is there's no classes on Wednesday evening this week. Enjoy your family. That's December the 27th. There'll be no service services here. Next Sunday, December the 31st is going to be family day. There's going to be no kids church. So we're all going to come out and worship together. Also next week, uh, we have church hoodies that are going to be available. They'll be on the front porch. They're only $20 a piece. And so if you want one of those, just be sure to bring $20 with you, and we'll have those out. We've got some kids' sizes, got some adult sizes. They're already printed. If we don't have your size, we will put in another order. But um, we just wanted to go ahead and get some made and and put out there. So it'll be kind of wild supplies last type situation that we're going to be dealing with with those. Also, this morning, when you get your fruit bag... I want you to be sure to look inside of it because inside of one of those fruit bags, I don't even know which one it is, there is a golden ticket in there. That golden ticket, you bring it to me and it is worth the $100 bill. Now, I don't know about you people, but I like $100 bills. I'm going to give you one. All you got to do is give me a piece of paper that says golden ticket. Congratulations, you have won. All right? Can you handle that this morning? You can't dig through the bag and find the golden ticket. You just pick up a bag going about your business and then you can look in it, all right? 
When God became a man, John chapter 1 is where we want to begin at this morning. Don't want to hold you too long, put my timer on Chevy. I want to make sure I don't preach too long today. I know you have plans, and um, thank you for coming today. I know there's those that, you know, it's Christmas time. You aren't supposed to come to church on Jesus' birthday, but don't, don't everybody shout at once. Ah. See, y'all are fine because you're here. <laughs> All right, you're fine. Let's go to verse 14. The Bible said the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. But out of His fullness we have all received grace. Grace in place of grace. Already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is Himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made God known. <clears throat> Did everybody grab that? He has made Him known. The mystery of Jesus coming into this world was captured best by James Irwin, who was one of the Apollo 15 crew members, who when asked to sum up the significance of the mission, he said to them, God walking on the earth was more than man walking on the moon. And for all of you conspiracy theorists that are wondering why we haven't walked on it since, I'll just leave that there. But there's one thing that we do know is that Jesus walked on this earth. And he sums it up as the mystery of God on the earth. It's like the mystery of man walking on a moon. What a miracle of miracles. God came to earth as a man. That is right. The Bible said the Word and the Word which is Jesus Christ. The Word Jesus became flesh and he dwelt among us. To think of that thought is overwhelming. This is a fascinating statement that the Word became flesh. Two extreme realities are meeting here in Jesus Christ. We've got the Word of God, which is the eternal, all right? That which broke everything in the creation. We have an eternal God that, that all He does is speak and it happens. We have an eternal God that can flip his wrists and galaxies are formed. We have an eternal God that the Bible said that, that heaven cannot contain him. That the earth is his footstool. The earth cannot contain him. We have Solomon that builds a temple for him. And he says this great vast temple, multi, multi millions of dollars that I've spent on this place. But he said it cannot contain this eternal God. I mean, I preach week after week and every time I say it, it just gets to me. When I think that this God that is living inside of me did everything that I see around me, it blows my mind. Amen. It blows my mind. I walked out last night and I looked at the moon and I'm telling you to capture the beauty of the moon is almost impossible. You can pull your phone out and you can try to get the best picture that your smartphone can do. And it will take you hours to try to get one good shot. 
but to think it can't even handle the beauty of the creation of this eternal God. Hallelujah to God. So we've got God that is eternal. There is a collision that is taking place. There are two realities that are taking place. I've got the Word of God eternal, but it meets the very flesh of man. Let me show you what happens here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This eternal God met with the flesh of man. What a miracle. This flesh that is frail, and for you that are aging, you know what I'm talking about. That's right, I'm talking about you that just hit 30 years old. For you that are aging, you understand what frailty means. You understand what temporary means. When you stand by the graveside at Christmas time of, of one of your loved ones, you know what it is. You know what the flesh represents. It's frailty. It is temporary. We are only a fleeting memory. We're here one day and we're gone the next. We're like the wind. That's all we are. Hallelujah to God. A matter of fact, James called us a vapor that's here today. And it's gone tomorrow. It is temporary. It is frail. The stuff of humanity made from dust. Limited by time and limited by space. Limited by gravity. I can't just go visit Mars tonight just because I want to. This flesh has limitations. But I've got an eternal God that made Mars. And He chooses to come down and take on this limitations of the flesh. What a miracle happened on the day that Jesus was born. Not only did Christ have a human nature, with all he had a human body, the Bible teaches us. Yes, he bled. You read the crucifixion, you'll find that Christ had human flesh just like you. He bled like you did. He hurt like you did. He experienced the fullness of human nature with all of its stresses and all of its struggles. It is a miracle today. It is fascinating beyond what my mind is able to grab that this God that has it all is willing to leave everything to come and dwell among us. My God have mercy. It begs the question, why did the Son of God become a man? What is the point? We want the why. Anybody want to know why? You know your kids. You be telling them you can't go over there and the first question they ask is what? Why? We want to know the why. Why is it important for Jesus to come? I've got three simple points and I'm going to leave you. The first point is this. Jesus came to identify with us. The Word became flesh. Jesus literally shared in our humanity. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. I want you to grab this today. Look at this. Because God's children are human beings, were made of flesh and blood, the Son, Jesus, also became flesh and blood. Grab this. For only as a human being could He die. And only by dying, because the eternal God can't die. 
The eternal God is forever and ever and ever. So because of that, as a human being, he could die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil. There's a lot going on in the earth when Jesus decides that he's going to show up. He had to break the power of the devil who had the power of death, hell, and the grave. But when Jesus came and was born, all of hell began to tremble because you know the Easter story. You know the end of this thing. When he said in Revelation, I am he. I'm Alpha. I'm Omega. I'm the beginning. I'm the ending. And I've got the keys of death, hell, and the grave. That's That's why Jesus had to become flesh. He had to become human so that he could do that. Look at verse 15 of chapter 4. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings we do. Yet he did not sin. Jesus was fully God. 100%. At the same time, this is a miracle, he was fully man. We've called him the 200% man. 100% God, 100% man. 100% spirit, 100% flesh. But yet he set aside his divinity. A matter of fact, according to Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, the Bible said he humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. The Word became flesh. Notice the all-inclusive word, flesh. Now, if we, if, if John, you know, words are important. If John had simply said that Jesus became a man... It would have been different. It would have been a different story. He's just a man. But he embodies the flesh. Now, all of a sudden, when we say this, the word flesh includes all people, it transcends the age of a person. It transcends the race of a person. It transcends all of these things. Gender or status or geography where you live. Jesus is the answer to every person's longing and need. There's There's other religions that are limited by their culture. They're limited by geography. They're even limited by politics. You look at China and and North Korea. You run over there and go grab you a Bible and a microphone and start preaching. You know what they're going to do to you? They will kill you right there on the street corner. These religions are limited by these things. But not Christianity. Because we serve a God that said, I'm taking on flesh. And that is why God loves everybody that is here today. That is why God can take a drunkard and say, I don't care how low down you were. Didn't take care of their family. Didn't take care of their children. But they come to Jesus and Jesus says, come unto me. All you that labor and are heavy. All of you sinners that are thirsty. Come and drink and you'll never thirst again. In all flesh. This is the God. He validated. Jesus validates our humanity. Flesh can refer to either the physical body. It can also 
refer to our sin nature. You know what that is, don't you? And many Christians see the physical side of life, the flesh, as inherently evil. Oh, it's a bad place. This world is a wicked place. But I got news for you. It is not just inherently evil. No, that is not the truth. I told you the other week, and I'll tell you again, especially with the Christmas cheer and Christmas season on us, let me tell you something. There's good people in the world. I want you to know that. And what Jesus wants us to understand is that Christians need to recapture the beauty of humanity. Listen, there are a pile of evil people in the world. They are wicked. There are people out there that if literally, if you move in their line of sight and they can't see to turn left and you're in the way and you say something, they'll pull a gun out and try to shoot you. They some crazy loons in the world today. But let me tell you something else. There's also some people that when you're struggling, they'll help you. And there's some people out there that see homeless people on the side of the road and they bring them a little, a little Wendy's bag or a, or a McDonald's and they say, hey, Merry Christmas. And they take care of those that are in need. Understand with me today that what Jesus wants us to see is not just what CNN and Fox News is showing you. They, well, God wants you to know that this world is still a good place. Hallelujah to God. And we ought to be making it better. That's what we should Jesus fulfills our humanity. Jesus did not come to save us from sin in order to make us divine because we aren't divine. We will never be divine on this earth. We're not even angelic. Unless it's like the wife that the wife of the man who said, my wife is an angel. She flies around the house harping all day long. Other than that, you are not an angel. You are flesh. Jesus came so that we might be fully human, conformed, according to Romans 8, 29, conformed to his image. A matter of fact, angels want to be us. Can y'all believe that? Angels long to be us. Yes, even in this frailty, even in this humanity. Y'all don't believe me. I'm going to show you 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 through 12. I've got to where every week I want to give you a wow. Here you go. Wow. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. In other words, they're talking about the prediction that a Messiah is going to come and save the world from their sins. The prophets wrote about it. And while they're writing it, they're saying, man, I wish I knew more about this. I wish I was here to watch this unfold. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering, that's the cross, 
but his great glory afterward that not only would he die on a cross but he would also raise again on the third day and ascend to the Father hallelujah to God and sit on the right hand of power and authority they were told that their messages were not for themselves but for anybody for you this message is for you and now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven it is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen their tippy toes are over the side of balcony of heaven and they're saying oh my gosh I wish I could experience the joy of the Lord and the strength of the Lord I wish to God I could get saved like that I wish to God I could speak in tongues like that I would to God I felt the spirit like that even angels want to be us let me show you. For, for 18 years, the story goes. A lady by the name of Deanne Fossey. She was a California zoo biologist, or zoologist rather. She worked with gorillas on the continent of Africa. She works in the mountains. She isolates herself from civilization. Her one goal was to learn the ways of the gorillas. She first began in 1963. And by 1967, four or five years later, the gorillas had come to accept her for who she was. She saw the gorillas as deserving of her love. She had learned to identify with them. She even helped care for their newborn. She cried with them when they mourned their dead as she said they would do when others died. She even gave them names and would call them by their names. She wrote in her book, and I quote, These powerful but shy and gentle animals accepted and responded to my attentions when I acted like a gorilla. So I learned to scratch and groom and beat my chest like a gorilla. I imitated my subject's vocalizations. I hooted, I grunted, and I even belched. I munched on foliage that they ate. I kept low to the ground in deliberate movement. After 18 years with the gorilla, it became Fosse's home. She became like them by dwelling among them. They were her friends. And when faced with the danger of her mission, Fosse refused to leave. In 1985, she would die among those gorillas that she had come to save. Apparently, she was knifed by poachers whose trade she sought to destroy. My goodness, if that doesn't sound like what Jesus did for us, he came to identify with us. He walked among us. He learned our ways. He became like us until that old wicked religious crowd was going to kill him and martyr him. But thanks be to God that Jesus Christ still came even though he knew he was going to die for us. Secondly, Jesus came to reveal God to us. John 1.14, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Jesus did not take on our humanity so he could understand us. He is God. He does understand us. 
In other words, this wasn't a, a trial and error or a test in which God says, we don't understand humans down there. Could you go down there and figure them out? God is God. He is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He did not come so that he could understand us. Jesus came so that we might understand God. I told you last week, you've been married to your spouse for 50, spouse for 50 years and you still don't know them. You still don't know why they act the way they act and do the things they do. You're still trying to figure it out. And last week I said to you, and you think you know God? We're learning something every day. And Jesus came to earth so that we might see God. There's many people, I've done it, you've done it, we struggle from inadequate concepts of who God is. Any picture we have of God in our minds that doesn't look like Jesus is the wrong picture of God. Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus is God. Hallelujah. They are one in mind. It is God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They have a same mind, the same purpose. The salvation of mankind is the heart of God. John 3, 16, For God so loved this world that He sent His only begotten Son. Hallelujah. God so loved the world that He sent Jesus. Jesus so loved the world that He died for us. The Holy Ghost so loved the world that He came to give us power unlike any power we had ever known from above. Thank God for the Trinity. There's a painting in a palace in Rome. Guido Rini is the one that painted it. He was an Italian painter. It is painted on the ceiling in the dome of a palace over 100 feet high when you look up to see this painting. It is said that if you stand at ground level and you look upward, that the painting from the ground appears to be foggy. It is not clear. You cannot make out all the details. But in the center of that great dome, it is said that there is a huge mirror. And when you look in the reflection of the mirror, you can see the picture. By looking into the mirror, you can see the picture that was foggy at first with great clarity. Do you understand this is exactly what Hebrews 1.3 taught us? That Jesus is the mirror of God. People are trying to see God, figure out who He is, and they can't see clearly. But when Jesus dwelt among us, they saw the face of God. It is like Simeon in the temple, even before Jesus is, is older. He hasn't even told his mission yet. He's just a little baby. But when he walks in, what's the thing that he said? I can die now, for my eyes have seen God, I have seen the salvation of the Lord. God, Jesus came to reveal God to us. It is revealed in Jesus in three simple words. The first word is glory. This is kabod. This is the manifested presence of God. It is the splendor of God. It is the fullness of divine attributes of God. 
It is Moses that is standing on Mount Sinai and he prays in Exodus 33, 18 and he said, Lord, would you please just show me your glory? That prayer was answered in Bethlehem's manger many, many years ago. In the Old Testament, it is described as a bright cloud that is called the Shekinah glory. It means that which dwells. Hence, the presence of God is with us. At times, the glory would fill the holy place and it would run over until the splendor of God would even go into the outer courts. And even the people, the peasants, would get to see the glory of God rolling or flooding out of the holy place. When Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration, His glory was revealed through His flesh. In John 1.18, no one has ever seen God. Every person wants to know what God is like. In Jesus, we get to see God face to face. Jesus revealed God to us through the word grace. It is mentioned three times in my text. If I were to ask you why Christianity is different from any other world religion philosophy, what would you say? The difference would lie in one word. Grace. In other religions it has been said that man seeks God through their prayers. That they seek God through their good works only. Or through religious observances and traditions. Oh, but in Christianity we have a God that is seeking after us. We have a God who is revealed as coming after us as a lost lamb. The Christmas story is the story of God reconciling flesh back unto himself. In verse 16 of my text, John said it this way, from the fullness of his grace, we have received another blessing on another blessing. Grace upon grace, wave upon wave. Every person has been touched by the grace of God and we live by the grace of God every moment of the day. Aren't you glad today that God had grace and mercy on you? Fresh grace is ours. We do not live off of yesterday's manna. We do not live off of yesterday's spiritual experience. When one resource of grace is exhausted, the Bible said another grace comes upon us and is provided. God gives one kind of grace for the days of prosperity. He gives another kind of grace for the days of adversity. He gives us grace upon grace. We're unworthy, but this is Jesus revealing God to us. Grace upon grace. Blessing after blessing after blessing. Can you give God glory in this house? and lastly he comes in the form of truth truth is the ultimate reality truth is faithful it's reliable it's dependable it is changeless Jesus is truth about who God is John says Jesus is the one and only Son of God. In John 4, he recognizes it again. He is the one and only true begotten Son of the Father. That means he's the only born one like this. It means that Jesus is one of a kind. 
It means that Jesus, no one can compare. He is unique in nature. He is the unique Son of God. Men and angels are called sons of God, but only Jesus is divine. He is the unique Son of God who can reveal the Father to us. He has no equal. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's nobody like him. The night Jesus was born absolutely changed the world forever. The only begotten. It is said that when reclining in ancient East at dinner, that you could recline back and easily lean over on another person and rest on them. That's why we see John on Jesus' breast in the Passover scene. He reclines back and he leans on the breast of Christ. It is a picture of the closeness between the Father and the Son. They're like that. They are one. Thirdly, and I'll leave you with this point, Jesus came, Jesus came to give himself for our sins. Jesus came to identify with us. Jesus came to reveal God to us. And last in closing, Jesus came to give himself for our sins. This is the greatest of all. The body Jesus was given when he was born in Bethlehem. That little baby, that little innocent child. Did anybody get to watch the chosen little presentation last night on CW? Anybody get to watch that? Oh man, y'all missed a good one. It was just a simple birth of Jesus and to see it and to watch, it just, it just brings it to life for you of how it must have been that night when those, those shepherds, those dirty, lowly shepherds went into that dirty, lowly stable and they bowed down and began to worship the Savior of the world. Jesus didn't let the rich and famous in first. He let the poor people the one that the religious leaders had kicked out of their synagogues because they were unclean. The ones that were poor and considered a little smelly because they smelled of the field and they smelled of the flock. But they knew what a shepherd does. A shepherd takes care of the sheep. And they understood when they walked in that stable that night that the perfect sinless Lamb of God was laying right there before they could understand that. Jesus in this little body, though many could not accept it, he became the means by which he would redeem this world. I want you to notice the emphasis on the body of Christ that's given in the New Testament. Luke 22, this is what we do when we take communion. This is my body that is given for you. In 1 Peter 2, 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, Paul writes this. You are the body of Christ. And each one of you is part of it. What an honor, Gap Hill Church of God, to be called the body of Christ. We too are to show God to the world. Jesus is no longer here. He is gone. He's at the right hand of the Father, but He has empowered His church. We're hungry, we're thirsty. But when did we see Jesus? And he says, whenever you handed them water, in essence, they saw the face of God. 
That's powerful. When you gave someone that was hungry food, it was as if they saw the face of Jesus. We are the body of Christ. We too represent God to a world since the risen Christ. Now He lives inside of us. How? The Bible said, look at 1 John. I'm going to leave you with this and I'm closing. I've preached long enough. No one has ever seen God. Anybody ever seen His face? I'm talking real life. I told you the other week, your eyeballs are going to burn out of your head if you look upon the glory of this God. You can't handle it in this flesh. It's too frail to, to witness the eternal. No one's ever seen God. But if we love one another... God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. Just like Jesus was the mirror to the world to reflect God more clearly. That is exactly what the body of Christ is in this last day and hour in a wicked world. We are the reflection to the world and now they see Jesus in us and they want to act like Jesus. They want to have what we have because it's reflection. Even atheists that don't believe in a God. They can watch us closely enough that all of a sudden they think, huh, there's something different. I couldn't see this thing clearly before, but now I can see God more clearly. Yes, I'll make Him my Lord and Savior. Go on to the pen. I'm closing today. Just leave it muted there. Christ, as we stand today, Christ took our sins in His own body. On the cross. And the beautiful thing that Jesus did for us, ladies and gentlemen, is that He died in our place. That we might be forgiven of all of our sins and have eternal life. So while you celebrate Christmas, please don't forget today to celebrate Jesus Christ. It's funny because the first six letters of the word Christmas is Christ. I don't know why we don't say it Christmas. Maybe that is the way we're supposed to say it. I just had a revelation. Christmas. Even when we say the word or when we write the word, the first thing we put is Christ. He gave it all for you. He gave it all for me. When God became a man. Aren't you glad He did? Because this is the mystery that gets me every single time. Jesus did not have to die on the cross. I want to make that clear to everybody today. Jesus did, God did not say, Son, you're going to do it or you're going to spank it or time out. I'm your father. You listen to me, boy. No. Nobody was found worthy to unlock the seal. I, John, fell and I began to weep and I began to cry. But one of the angels touched me. And said, John, fear not, for the line of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to open up the seal. 
That was Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody else could do it. Nobody else could be the supreme, perfect sacrifice. He's the only one. There's no other God that can come in the flesh. It's Him or nobody. And He could have said, No. I got royalty. I'm living large up here. Angels are bowing down before me. Heaven and earth are adored. I mean, I got everything I want. Nah. He looked down through the pages of time. My mother used to sing an old song when he was on the cross. I was on his mind. He looked down through history, thousands of years to come. And he saw a little church called Gap Hill Church of God. And he saw this old preacher. And he saw every one of you. And he said, I'm going to Calvary. And I'm going to die so that they can live. I don't know about you today, but my God, if anything has ever made me excited, if anything that I've ever read in this book I call the Bible makes me want to shout hallelujah, it is the day that Jesus Christ, amen, fear not, the angel said, for behold today in the city of David, there's a Savior which is Christ the Lord. Joseph Mary's going to have a son that which is conceived in her is not of man or it would be tainted it could not be internal but the Holy Spirit is going to plant a seed inside of her don't you worry you go ahead and you stand by her side you marry her don't have sexual relations with her until the baby is born you can't mess this up and thou shalt call his name Jesus, Joseph. For he shall save his people from their sins. You can't make this stuff up. Father, I praise you today. I thank you for who you are. I praise you today. As we celebrate this Christmas season. And we give our gifts and we have our food and we enjoy family and we should. But Father, let us not forget you. It is in you that we live. It is in you that we breathe. It is in you that we have our being. And without you, we can't do anything that we do. So today we celebrate you, Jesus. And we give you glory and we give you honor. Because you came and you showed God to us. You showed us that there was a way out. There was a way out of hell. Satan had us bound. We were on our way there. But now the grace of God has been extended to us. And we have been washed by the blood. The precious blood of the spotless Lamb of God. For this we praise you. Sing it. Emmanuel. Sing it with him. We're closing.
So let's go for it.